business and people. Your host, Walt Bayless. Let's get this show started. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Business and People podcast where we tell the stories of the people behind the amazing success stories and the business ventures that are out there in the world. Today, we are joined by someone who is at the pinnacle of making sure that your business gets found online. She's a talented musician with two CDs written in the jazz space and a CD released in the Latin music space. She's the incredible power behind digitalcopywriting.com.au. She is the brains and the brilliance. She is none other than Emma Sydney. Emma, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. Now, you've got an honours degree that's come from a cinematic background. You've worked in a corporate space, and then it's been a few years now that you've gone out on your own helping businesses get found online and helping them spread their message through branding. How did that all come together for you? Essentially, I was in a sales role, and I'd done that for about 10 years, and what I discovered in sales is that, you know, it's always about creating connection between Uh, what the person needs and what you actually offer. And, you know, it's called now, I guess, solution-based selling. But also, you know, I was lucky enough to work with mums and dads and with businesses and with director level, you know, I'd sort of done a bit of everything there. And in that space, I was working in my last role with EmployShore as a legal consultant in a sense, you know, HR, legal matters, talking about, how you manage your people and helping people solve problems with that through policies, procedures and legal representation where they needed it. So that's where I was. And I had unluckily hurt my back. And in that process, I was, you know, off work and looking at returning to work, but also getting curious about learning more about social media. I was already a musician, as you said, and I'd been online and an early adopter of platforms. So when I had the opportunity to learn more about social media, I thought, oh, I think I'll take that opportunity. And I'd been to a local workshop. Then I had two amazing things happen at the same time. So the first thing was that I went to a meeting to apparently about how my back was going and when I was coming back to work. And when I got home later that night, I had an email that said I didn't have a job anymore and I was effectively unfairly without any notice fired. So I didn't have a job. So that was number one. Wow. The second thing that happened was that, as I said, I was exploring this social media space and I'd been to a weekend workshop and I had the opportunity to jump on a plane and go to Thailand about a week later. So 24th of June, I was fired. 7th of July, I think it was, I was on a plane to Thailand. And I went to Thailand and I learned about social media through a 10-day course in person, um, lots of different experts, all the platforms. And, you know, we covered everything from webinars to websites to um, developing eBooks, and, you know, just all of the sorts of online assets that you might need to run a business effectively. Mm. And I actually was chosen to promote my ebook, which I'd been developing, and it was about social media tips, and it became a number one Amazon bestseller. So that kind of all happened very quickly. And then I found myself in this position of, well, do I want to go back to work, or could I be working for myself and helping people get found online, which is something that, you know, 
I've been doing since 1995 because I've had a website for 25 years now, which is insane. Like in, it's just uncommon. So that's where it all began, really. Wow, that's amazing. Can I can I ask Emma, as you had that that I guess trajectory change with with being fired? Interesting mm-hmm. to get fired without notice in an HR field, but we'll come back to that. Um, so. Yeah. You had a trajectory change and you've gone across to this seminar and that question is in your mind, do I go back and get a job or do I take the chance and go down the business path and run my own business? Yeah. So that's been the last, uh, I guess, looking at your, your bio there, it's probably been the last uh, three or five years that you've been out on your own and, and, and doing this. Yeah. How, how did you find those early years in terms of handling the, the difference between being an employee and being a business owner? There was a, a real sense of bliss around managing my own time and being my own boss because I was also bringing up two children, as many people are in business, and my role that I'd been in was seeing me lose time with my children and compromise significantly on my home life balance. And that was one of the reasons why. And also, you know, trying to repair my back and looking after myself, which is now fully healed, it was uh it was something I had to dedicate myself to. So I had to muster my time and energy. So in that sense, there was a lot of bliss. In the sense of financial rewards and how quick and easy it was to gain clients and all those things, yeah, I faced some serious challenges. And one of them was learning how bad marketing people are. I mean, honestly, (laughs) like that was one of my very first challenges. How bad they are at marketing or how bad they are? how bad they are ethically, morally, and at their jobs. Like it was the whole package for me. And, you know, that was kind of, uh, it was actually quite frightening. So I'd I'd, um, taken up a particular offer on this 10-day course to create my first website. And, you know, as a musician, I'd had that website since 95 and I'd had help developing it. But this was one where I was working with a man who was offering a platform that he trained you on in order to create your own website. And so I spent probably a hundred hours and a thousand dollars creating this website for my business. And it was my very first website. And I've actually done a case study, which I've got to put on my website about what it looked like then and what it looks like now and what happened. And it was up about, it was up about less than six months and this particular man decided that he was not happy with issuing an invoice he wanted to direct debit everybody and I didn't want to direct debit it's just not what I wanted so I said I'm happy to pay your invoice but I want an invoice every month and then he uh, took down the website disappeared didn't come back to me my website disappeared my my business asset was gone and I had no recourse I just couldn't get hold of the guy wow yeah, so I really learned. I learned that. And I was in a program that was, you know, a couple of grand a month in order to get everything online that was supposed to work for me and it didn't actually get all done. So, you know, here I was going, okay, well, I can see there's a real issue with how people are in marketing and how well they deliver for their clients and how ethical it all is. It's actually quite a tricky field. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, I'm uh, um, very much in the digital space as well. And I, I know that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of chatter about making sure clients are locked in and you don't have that, that, um, that leakage of clients, but it's such an awful 
experience to be locked in, in inverted commas, where you, you know, you're tied to a particular platform or you're, you're bogged down. Emma, can I ask you from a, from a marketing standpoint? Now, you're, you're, as I look at your website, I've got, I've got your brand name scrolling across there as, as we're chatting. So there's some incredible brand names and, and companies that you've had an opportunity to work with. As you're starting to work with a company, so, so let's say that our listeners, uh, people that are in business, they have most likely got a web presence, you know, they can, somebody can go to a www and find them. Yeah. One of the things as a business owner myself, when I first started in the online space was the shock. Oh my God, I can't believe it. That just having a website doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to make sales. When you first go into a business, Emma, um, are you finding that that most business owners, and let's, let's use a very generic, most business owners are under marketed, and underrepresented, or are most businesses savvy these days with their websites and with their social media and presence? There are a number of things that most businesses don't do that could really help them. So the first one is tracking and measuring what's happening. So SEO, the first baseline is just to actually see it and report on it and then know what is. So if you don't know what is, you can't actually make a difference to yourself so a lot of people don't really know how many people come into their website where they're coming from how long they stay whether they're bouncing as in they look for you then they click through then they say that's not what I want Um, and they don't necessarily have the basics which is an SSL certificate which is a like a trust lock for security on websites and you can see the little lock at the top of the window in the search bar and they don't necessarily have a click to call or a contact you know, a very simple way of people actually saying, yeah, look, this sounds good, let's go. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are the two things that people don't often do, which are really easy. But there's some other things that are really common where people could make a huge difference to their web presence and they don't do it. First one, how much content is on each page because Google doesn't index if there's not enough content. Second one is having a video on your website actually gives you 53 times more chance of being number one on Google. Wow. Like if you know that simple one thing, then like just put a video on your website, right? But only 17% of websites have videos. It's still pretty low. And uh, 90% of people don't track what they're doing. So that's pretty high. So, you know, there's just that, that's some of the things that I talk about in terms of educating people on what they're potentially missing out on. Then when we look at the actual website itself, often there's a focus on what we do, which is I think with Simon Sinek's why a lot of people are getting around that in the entrepreneurial circles, but maybe in the bigger businesses, they're still not really clicking to the fact that it's a solving a problem. Like when I was in sales, it's solution-based selling that makes a difference to the client because they're not Googling who is the best legal practice in Melbourne. They're Googling um, you know, family law crisis management. Yeah, yeah. There's a huge difference. But, you know, if you're a legal practice in Melbourne and you want to get found for family law, that's actually a much better term for you to get found for than to just kind of toot your own horn and say how amazing you are. Mm, mm. So is there, um, um, there's going to be a, a million business owners screaming right now going, I don't have time to create all the content. Is there an easy way to do that? Or do you suggest getting an agency to, to take care of the content while they look after their business. What's your, what's your suggestion to business owners? If you listen to Neil obviously Patel. Go to, obviously go to your website, digitalcopywriting.com.au, get Emma involved and get her to develop a strategy. But overall, 
Yeah, sure. I mean, look, I, I absolutely hear what you're saying. And one of the things that many business owners face is, you know, I am the asset in my business. I have the knowledge. I am the gatekeeper of wisdom here. And how can I give that to somebody else who doesn't do what I do? You know, but I don't have time to share what I do. No. So that's the, that's the kind of the balancing act that you're talking about. And what I find is that there is a way of doing that. And that's just to be really good at what I do. So the first thing is to really get clear about your, what we call a client avatar. You might've heard it called a persona or a, um, a, you know, a client brief. It's about really knowing who your clients are and then what they're looking for. So that's an SEO keyword definition type scenario. So, you know, getting those two things clear means that I can then say, okay, well, I now know who we're talking to. I now know what they're looking for. And then we can talk from a perspective of that about the topics that are getting looked up online and that are important to the business. So there's, you know, there's also a deep dive that I do in profitability. So it's not just about appealing to everybody about all things legal and family law. It's about, you know, I like working with Um, single mothers because I know how to get the best out of the family law system in terms of alimony. You're not not going after that everybody in the whole world space. You're going after the specific vertical of people that need and want your services right now and therefore have the money to spend in that particular space. That's right. And look, it is a choice. So for example, one of the businesses that I'm currently in conversation with about their SEO is thousand dollars a month on five key phrases and they're generic so in order for them to get presence on those key phrases they have to so this would be like trying to get the keywords family law to come up they have to spend a lot of money and a lot of time getting those keywords and phrases and you know doing a lot around that space mm-hmm. most people don't necessarily want to just get someone who does that one thing they want to get someone who does that one thing that works for them. So even if they look up the generic term, they'll have a scroll and they'll have a look and say, yeah, that's a family law practice or that's a hairdresser or that's a a dog groomer or that's, you know, whatever it is. And they're close. And I like that they talk about that. Yeah, right. That specific subject that that particular person is is catching those keywords as they're as they're scrolling through. Absolutely. So, Emma, one of the things that you mentioned was was measuring. Exactly. Sorry, yeah. I'm the audio chair there. I didn't realize I cut you off. One of the things you mentioned there was was um, was tracking, was making sure you know. And again, from an entrepreneur's perspective, I go, oh my god, I, you know, I'm an ideas person. I'm not a detailed technical person. Yeah. There are tools like Google Analytics that give a lot of that information straight away. And and again, working with yourself, uh, and I, I mentioned your website before, which is digitalcopywriting.com.au. I'm sure Emma, you can work with some of these business owners, help them get set up with some of these measurement tools. And even something like Google Analytics can start to give information on what kind of profile avatar people are already coming to the site. What keywords are they looking at? So we get a starting point from, you're not starting from a blank canvas, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You can start to understand what appeal your website currently has in the market, how you're being seen, and then you can work to change it from there. Yeah, it's actually a lot broader than you might think. So when I look at a business, I look at their social presence. So, you know, people are finding you through LinkedIn and Facebook and those sites are indexed by Google. So they are SEO relevant links. You know, they're actually 
repositories of information that people can look up before they start to contact you. Then we look at the website as well, obviously a key. But we also look at video channels and we look at the ideas that are going to make an impact to that particular business. So for some people, an ebook will work. Some people, it won't. For some people, an event will work. Some people, it won't. So having an understanding of what the business wants to achieve and the fastest path to it will make a difference to what kind of journey we want to create together. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure that that's a, uh, uh, an in-depth discussion that you'd go through with, with clients as you begin working with them. Emma, focusing on your story for a second, um, you you had that incredible, uh, as I mentioned before, trajectory shift being being pushed, and so many entrepreneurs that we speak to have that that moment. Something happened for me. It was the birth of my first child, my eldest daughter, and it was the the realization that my hundred hours a week spent in the office at my previous life was definitely not going to be the life that I wanted for my daughter, and and that pushed me. For you, it was was something else. As you've moved into that, that space of being your own boss, you were talking about the joy before of, of the time, etc. What do you wish you'd known before you'd taken that leap? Oh, that's a really good question. What do I wish I had known? I guess the biggest thing that I have learned through my personal development in the last five years, which is how long I've been running a business, is the value that you give to a client isn't directly proportional to the number of hours that you spend. Now, this is something that, you know, theoretically people kind of get, but when you go into a business, you're not just doing your thing. Like in my case, I do digital copywriting, digital strategy, SEO, social media, websites, and in, in a lot of that, there's project management. But I'm also managing my accounting and I'm managing my own marketing and I'm managing people. So there's a lot of, you know, aspects to that that are not just that one thing that you do. So I think learning how to leverage your time in the space that you have expertise and then also learning how to scale your business fast to make it profitable. I think those are the two things that I wish I had known more about when I began because I still had that mentality that if I was earning $30 or $40 an hour, which I was earning, I don't know, $130,000 in, $160,000 in my sales role, something like that. So I was looking at that as my what I needed to earn, right? But I was also working an awful number awful long hours to create that as you said about yourself and then I realized that while my time could be spent working with someone who's from overseas and doesn't necessarily translate well in terms of they do the SEO they're great at that but they can't really write a report and talk to a client in the way that I can Mm -hmm. if I understand what they're doing and I understand how to improve it, then I've got a huge leverage for my time where I'm not doing the, you know, the grunt work, Mm. but I am being able to add huge value to the client that's leveraging my time as well. So So that's how, that's how I I have been working in the last couple of years. And it makes a big difference to business. That's awesome. So you can spend a lot less time on the fringe activities and a lot more time on the focused pinpoint value deliverers to a client so that you can justify a fee, obviously, that you can you can uh, have a 
a, a number on the invoice, but also so that you can affect more clients in the in a small amount of time and, and again, grow that business. Is that how you mean? It is, but it's more than that because, you know, my time, my, my value, I, you know, my clients genuinely get hundreds of hours of time from my business. It's just not my personal time. Right. Got it. You yeah, know, absolutely. yeah. So it's, it's about learning that, you know, as we know, we're in a global economy and there are people who can do things. So for example, I have a design team that does the social media for me and they give that design to me at a reasonable price. But the only reason why it works is because I've spent a lot of time training and measuring and working with them to create something that visually looks great. If you go to Fiverr, you can probably spend about the same amount that I might spend. We've lost audio there. Probably less, but you might spend a similar amount on getting graphic design done, but then you're the person who's trying to figure out whether from a marketing context it works, whereas I've done that work for marketing. So I I, I keep up to date with the latest technologies and I keep up to date with the research and I follow a whole lot of lead marketers and that's where my time is spent rather than doing the physical work on InDesign or Photoshop or one of those platforms. For the nice. client, nice. So it's it's the expertise that you've built up already that has the, the the value, as you said, the lever, the multiplier that you can that you can pull on for the clients. Emma, um, the other thing that you mentioned that you wish you knew was how to scale quickly to profitability. So mm. what, what are some of the things that you found there? And, and again, our audience are people listening to you right now going, please, Emma, tell me, you know, I'm good at what I do, but I'm, I'm so far away or I'm close to being profitable. I do. What are the lessons that you've learned in terms of scaling to profitability that have helped your business succeed? I've learned that one of the things that becomes always a lever in my working with a client is that coaching them to change the way that they have done things to create a different outcome is always part of the process. So it seems like um, sometimes, and in fact, I've taken on clients for marketing and ended up being coaches for them rather than marketing, or I've taken up clients for marketing and then they use my marketing and other people's marketing. You know what I mean? Like, so there's that kind of thing going on where I've, I've now got a relationship with them that they rely on me to give them the insight into other areas of their business. Like, well, how do I, how do I handle this conversation or how do I, um, you know, make a product range that's going to work better for my business? Or, you know, I'm thinking about this type of activity and this type of activity, and I'm not sure which one's going to work. What should I do? And, and when you're having conversations that don't work with where clients are, are not working, so, you know, my client says, well, I had this conversation and this didn't work or I thought this was going to come to this outcome and it didn't work, being able to have the experience that I've had in business and in, in developing my own discipline, my own responsibility, I can then share that. But the reason why that I have got that ability is because I myself have two business coaches. Right. And one runs a $40 million business. He's run a $40 million business. So he now works with people on building their own businesses to that level. And the other one, um, both of them are now, now landmark trained, but the other one has a great deal of landmark experience, which really changes how accountable you become to yourself and to other people. So, you know, that level of integrity, responsibility in terms of completing conversations, um, not let, letting things go, attempting to finish things in a way that works well for both people, clearing the air, 
all of those things about communication can actually make a huge difference to how quickly you can scale and become profitable because you've got to give a great outcome. Yeah, definitely. Otherwise, you've got nothing. Yeah. 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 Um, did, you, did you start with a business coach, Emma? I didn't. I have had one coach for three years and one coach for two years. Okay. So they're different. So one of them is uh, much more of a mindset coach and he uh, is going to always talk about the bigger picture. And the other one is much more of an action-oriented coach and he'll give me systems and processes that I can then implement. So, you know, one of the best ones that I really like is the 15-minute increment day. It is amazing how much you can get done in 15 minutes. Yeah, incredible. And especially when things that you've been procrastinating about, if you literally start it and say, I've got 50 or 14 minutes and 58 seconds now to complete it, it's amazing. You can actually tick it off. It's been on your list for two weeks and suddenly it gets done in a, such a small amount of time. That's a really, really good tip. We've had mm-hmm. a, a couple of business coaches um, on the podcast with us. I'm curious to know, um, as somebody who started out on their own and then brought in a coach while, you know, after they'd begun their journey, at what point did you come to the decision that a, a coach would be beneficial to you? What, what happened that made you say, whoa, I need some help here or, hey, I'm ready for the next step in growth? Like what, what was the process mentally for you that made you say, yes, a coach is my, my next port? I, I've always really felt like I was very independent and I could do everything myself. So in that sense, I never really want to give away my power to anybody else. I just, I just, I don't have that in me to do. So I don't really want to give up my authority or, or, or anything along those lines. Um, And the initial conversation that I had was somebody said to me, do you want to have a coffee? And I was like, cool, let's have a coffee. So that was how I actually had a conversation where I he was, uh, his name's Alistair McDonald, and he was offering a coffee conversation and had a pro forma that said, tell me about your life, your background, what's happened, what hasn't happened, blah, blah, blah. And I was really honest. I just said, you know, I come from a broken home. I had a bad back. I lost my job. You know, I started business because I really couldn't do things the way that you know, a sales role was being done at the time. And I felt really like I needed to prioritize other things, other people. And I didn't feel valued as well. So, you know, all of those things came out in that conversation. And then I realized that this is a guy that has run many businesses from start off. He's got He's got 20 years of business experience. He's got strong partnerships. He's running a successful million-dollar business. And, you know, that is where I want to go. Nice. So they always say that when you're looking for a, um, if you're looking to be the best in a field, then model the best, you know. So I had that idea in my mind and then this opportunity came in and I was like, yeah, great. And then um, Alistair introduced me to Ross and we ran some workshops um, and it was a couple of years ago now. So we were running a thing called Blitz Your Business and we were talking about different aspects of business um, mentorship and scaling. Mine was the practical aspect. So it was talking about social media, getting found online, learning how to create great content. It was around that. Mm. Um, Alistair was talking about vision and Ross was talking about who you're being. And, you know, if you want to be the best that you can, what are the eight levels of human potential? Well, where are you and where do you want to be? And so working with those two gentlemen since then has just been that joyful journey of connecting the dots between 
my intention, my mind, my body, my spirit, and my business. Wow, cool. Yeah. It sounds so harmonious when you say it like that. And I think that probably a lot of our audience is saying, I want that. That's, that's, you know, so many of us as, as entrepreneurs find ourselves uh, at one end of the scale. You know, we talk about this balanced life and we find ourselves at one end of the scale constantly trying to scrabble back up to the middle point so that we can find that kind of harmony. So uh, that sounds very, very cool. Emma, what, um, along the way, what's been the biggest mistake that you've made and what did you kind of learn from that as you went through Oh, the biggest mistake. Um, I think I put myself into a position where I was offering clients a solution that was a, you know, that monthly fee, big project type thing. And I did that for a few clients in the last couple of years. And some of those worked out okay, but I did find that there was uh, a real discernment that I needed to learn. And that was that not everyone delivers what they say they're going to deliver. Mm -hmm. And so I had um, a a realization that I am not great at everything. I'm great at ideation. I'm great at strategy. I'm great at content. I can really relate to people, but I don't want to sit in the automation space and write sequences, for example. So if I if I say I'm going to deliver that to a client, then I need to have a reliable provider for that. And that didn't work out in, in a couple of instances. And that was a big learning for me that being able to discern the right providers that I work with and actually saying, well, I've tested them, I've measured them, they're doing it for me, and therefore I can recommend them. That's been one of the biggest learnings that I've had out of that particular experience that's an interesting idea the um uh and and again relating back to your hr environment um i have a a colleague who also runs her own business so excuse me um that uh, employs programmers and, and as part of the employment process he gives them a programming task to do so in other words it's like before we start working together I want you to go, and he pays them for this. Like, so he's actually paying them before they're employed by the company to complete a specific set of tasks in any way that they choose to do so, but to deliver him back a a result as part of the employment process. Do you think that um, from a choosing your supplier's point of view, that that's a valid way to do that? Like, obviously, we're going to look at an investment into the suppliers, making sure that they're delivering the right quality of work coming back to you, et cetera. Do you feel that that you could set a target or set a, a task, have, you know, three or four potential sub- providers complete that task and then evaluate the end result before you kind of say, okay, great, let's work together and here's the bigger job? Well, yeah, I really do think that that's valid. And there's a few different aspects in which I kind of apply that in my own business. So one of the things that I am focused on at the moment, and you wouldn't know about this because it's still in the process and it's great that it's come up in the conversation, is I'm writing a book. It's about joy and flow. Nice. And that book is... um, going to be either pre-launched or launched because I'm still finishing the book so I've got to edit, publish, blah, blah, uh, on the 19th of March. So I'm having a one-day event. I'm going to have um, some of the coaches at this one-day event. So there'll be Ross that I've spoken about. There'll be Alistair. I'm also having Mary Jensen, who's an amazing person, Eric Chan and Eric Bigork and also Bill McClellan. Now, Bill actually has a whole set of tools around people management called the Harrison Assessment Tools. And 
I am really fascinated by anything that gives you an insight into the way that people work because I recognize now that there are strengths and weaknesses. I think when we when we go to school, you know, we all get the same sort of information, the same sort of tasks and the same sort of, you know, ruler by which we're measured. You know, we are all good or bad based on a set of data that is only going to work for some people. You know, not everybody works the same way as you say. And I think that schools are smart that they're looking at kinetic learning and, and, you know, all those different ways of, of explaining things. And I know for myself that I learned that, I was at a very young age actually I was I was in my 20s and I was working for the government and then I worked for Dun & Bradstreet as a business analyst and in the process somewhere there I did the Maya Briggs reporting and I came back as a senior manager now this is the crazy thing about that I was in that lower level and while I was in employee the best I ever did was sales or or PA to a, a director And the reason for that is because I did not have the patience to go through the process of managing the inadequacies of my superiors long enough to get promoted. I just kept moving on. I just learned the the information fast and then I just got bored and then I took another role. And so I kept doing that while I was employed. You know, I had a lot of different roles, which as a business owner talking to other business owners, I can say, yeah, I know how to do freight forwarding and I know how to do business analysis and I know how to do real estate. And, you know, I can talk to a whole lot of verticals because I spent the time learning the disciplines from the inside and also outside. And I even did a couple of years of tempting. But what I learned about myself in that moment was I'm a senior manager, but I've got no pathway to get there. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, I didn't even consider the possibility of being a business owner. I had no business owner experience. Nobody in my family had that context. I didn't know where to go to learn it. I I didn't know you could get support from, you know, grants or councils to do that sort of stuff. You know, unfortunately, it took me this long to get to the point where I realized that actually being a business owner is a perfect fit because that's where you become a senior manager. Yeah, you know, of your own world. You also get to experience all of those disciplines that you mentioned before. You've got to do your own marketing. You've got to do your own accounting. You've got to be an HR specialist. You, you know, you've got to be in sales. You get to wear so many different hats that it's the perfect environment for someone who likes to change around because you get to do it all anyway. Yeah, you do. You definitely do. So coming back to your point, which was about um, giving people pretests or paying them before you work with them, intern programs are an example of that, obviously. And I've used interns before and, and haven't found that, you know, that's that easy. And I've also used contractors and, and decided whether or not they're going to work for me and some continue to and some don't. So I think having a test and manage process whenever you're working with somebody is good. It's also great to use something like Harrison Assessments, Gallup Strength Poll, um, Eight Levels of Human Potential, DISC Training, and all of those are in my book. And the reason why they're great is because that self, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just looking out the window. This is crazy, but I'm looking out the window and there is a person backing out with their car door open and I'm just... It's like watching a tragedy happen. <laughs> Sorry about that. I just, I just had to be honest with you because that's, that's nice. really crazy. I'm like, what are they doing? They've parked now. I'm okay. Hopefully, so, there's no big crash noise in a second. Yeah. I know. I was just waiting for it. So, um, 
So having those different ways of looking at yourself as a person and recognize that you are perfect as you are Mm. and that some things you're going to be great at and some things you really are not is actually the first key to success in business. And it's the first key to scaling and leveraging your time. Nice. Very, very cool. I like it. Emma, one of the things that I'm picking up on as we're chatting is that um, you, you, we started the conversation with you uh, overseas at a social media training conference for 10 days. Then we've, we've, we've journeyed into a lot of other tools and environments and teaching and coaching. What's coming across for me is that you are a lifelong learner. You are somebody that really mm-hmm. pours as much as they can uh, internally so that you can, you can get better and grow. Have there been any specific books or media programs or courses or whatever that, that have impacted you massively in your journey? I think each time you learn something new, it does have a lot of impact. So, um, yes, I am a lifelong learner. So I've got a Bachelor of Arts from University of Melbourne in Cinema Studies and Cultural Studies. I have a Diploma of Jazz and Popular Music, which is a two-year course at Box Hill TAFE. That was very impactful because then I was able and competent to compose my own music and that led to the CDs that I've released. Um, I also have done a lot of personal development training uh, in the speaking area, which was every time you do that, you kind of learn something new about the way that you are and are not. And so uh, Clinton Swain does amazing um, in-depth experiential gamification and he does that in entrepreneurship and speaker training and his programs are amazing. It's actually a three-day introduction that's free and it's just that you cannot buy that kind of experience. You learn something from each one of those. Um, One of the lessons that I actually learned there was that Uh, matching your energy to somebody who isn't like you is really important. And this has been uh, a lifelong situation. I come across as really strong, opinionated. I can be absolutely certain and completely wrong about something. However, I am open to being wrong and then changing my mind. So I'm not close-minded, but I'm definite all the time. And somebody who is um, a lot... By the way, I'm just, I'm nodding, I'm nodding quietly going, yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, on, honestly, if you're a DISC, if you're a DI, a dominant intuitive, that's the primary um, designation of anyone who owns a business because that's just how you are. You will like that and that kind of fits you well. So it's, uh, it's good. But it's also a fairly masculine energy. So being a female, being kind of cute and having that energy is a bit odd sometimes. So there's that. Um, and I was in this experience where we were supposed to yell at someone and they were, and this is in Clinton's speaker training, we were supposed to yell at somebody and they were supposed to convince us that they were okay. So it was around doubt and it was around what their greatest fears were. So we would yell the fears at them and they would say, nope, I've got this. I'm done. I've got it going. I'm good. And this particular lady was really upset by the way I took on the exercise and I wasn't in my mind being um, any different from how I show up right now. Yeah. In my mind, I was just doing what I do. I, I, was, I was absolutely loving her, helping her to create this breakthrough, wanting her to have that difference. And then I realized that I was so loud and aggressive because of my natural persona that she couldn't hear me and she took it as offensive 
in a way. And so I had to learn that. And I had, and I just, I I cried. I actually cried because I was so upset that she was upset. Her husband got involved and he was angry at me. And I was like, it's just an exercise. I'm just doing the exercise. I have no personal, you know, aggression towards her. It's just, I'm supposed to yell at her and she's not convincing me. And, you know, so in that process, in the conversation that I had with her, I, I, I was upset. I, said afterwards, I really want to understand what happened. Yeah. And then she started speaking back to me and she was like, well, I just didn't feel like you were listening to me. And I said, well, I was hearing you, but, you know, my job was blah, blah, blah. And so as we talked, our voices got lower and softer. And I realised that what was missing for her was my energy was very different from her energy. Interesting. So she was a quiet introverted person who was put in this situation where I was a, I was a loud bossy woman Mm. in her face Mm. and I was being myself exuberant. I'm always like the first person hugged in the room. Everyone knows that I'm a softy and I'm a sweetheart, but I'm a strong looking person who's, you know, potentially considered to be successful, attractive, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, she was intimidated by that Mm. and there was no, um, there was no greater lesson for me than matching your energy to somebody else allows them to hear you in the way that you want to be received. Interesting. Interesting. And I think yeah. from a, a lesson learned point of view, like in any social environment, in any situation where you have the necessity to have communication between two people, that lesson being able to match your energy with your recipient so that they can hear you I think will change, if that can be absorbed, that would change communication a lot and, and hopefully resolve a lot of conflict a lot quicker. Um, Emma, can I, ask you for a, can I ask you to partake with me in a 60-second challenge? So we often do this with some of our guests. So this is the premise. You catch up with a friend who you haven't seen for years. They've watched your journey. They've pre-subscribed to your book, which I'm, I'm going to do myself, which sounds uh, fantastic. Can't wait to read it. But they catch up with you. They're impressed by what you've been able to achieve. And they've just started out in their own business. They're a little bit fearful. They're a little bit doubtful. They don't know really where to to go to achieve, you know, the next step for themselves. And they ask you, and this is where our 60 second kicks in, what should I do? How can I take my business and, and, and achieve the goals that I'm setting out for myself? Like, what would you suggest that I do as my path forward, as my steps? Okay. So the first thing I would ask is, what do you want to achieve and who with? Mm-hmm. Good questions. Great point to start. So they answer, you know, they have their goals. This is, I really want to get to hear Emma and, you know, I, I, I'm, I just, I don't know who with yet, but I, I just want to make it to this particular point forward. Okay. So then the second question I would ask is what are you great at and how much do you know about that? Nice. Okay. So the answer is I'm really great at this X, Y, Z exercise. Uh, I have a product focused around that. Um, and I, I just, I don't know how to get my my sales happening. I don't know how to expand this whole thing. Okay, so I would look at the assets that they have. So do you have a website? Do you have social media? Um, do you have a local Google My Business? Nice. And that's just like a baseline. If you have those and even if it's a one-page website with a landing site with a PDF on it, that's better than nothing. So I would suggest that those are the baseline for any business to have as assets. Mm -hmm. And then I would also say um, when you're thinking about 
those people, do you know where they are? Do you know which people are actively searching for you? And also when they're searching, what are they asking? What are the questions they have? What are the problems they're trying to solve? And so we developed that, which is, I guess, a client avatar, but I'd really genuinely ask that. Nice. Very cool. Can I ask you a work question for a second? So I know um, your, your, your site and, and everything we've, we've talked about so far is about making sure that the branding's right and that the message is being delivered to the right people, etc. One of the things that a lot of business owners are confused by is social media. And I know that that's something that you can take them under your wing and, and help them create a strategy for. Uh, one of the questions I get a lot, or, or I guess reactions I get to social media, are business owners who say something like, um, I want to keep my work life and my personal life separate. I don't want to be um, all this on Facebook or YouTube, but yet I know social media is important. How do you distinguish between the two? I actually have a number of social media profiles on Facebook, particularly on LinkedIn. I used to have two and they stopped that ability to have two. So on LinkedIn, I have uh, a single profile and and company pages for myself and I manage a few for other businesses. So having those two assets is really important. And on Facebook, I have an Emma Sydney public page, which is a page. I have business pages, digital copywriting on website. I have groups, um, which are where you want people to post their own stuff and you post stuff for them. So it's an interactive platform. And I also have my personal profile. And one of the decisions that I made as a person, and you will have a look at this and say, well, you know, how did how do you know that she has children or does she have children? Because my children are on my social media profile if you look back about 10 years. So you won't see photos of my boys online very often. I think there's one video of my son drumming at 15 and that's about it. So I've made a very conscious decision about what's public and what's private. And the reality is that once any of that information is online, it's owned by the people who have the platform and they say in their terms and conditions, you consent to the use of this information however we see fit. So I think there is a a big um, decision to make about who you want to be online. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. At the same time, it is really important to be authentic and genuine. So, you know, I've done, uh, you know, a three... I don't know how long it lasted, but maybe a six-week, two-month, three-month challenge for myself to post every day on social media about losing weight and going for a walk in the morning and talking about ketosis and all those sorts of things. So I did that a couple of years ago and that's coming up in my feed on Memories Now. I also um, talk about when I'm out, I do some live video of of, uh, music that I'm watching, tennis maybe because I did that on Friday. So I I include aspects of my private life because if you are just all about sales and business, no one cares. Like no one needs to see that. And and I have genuine, real long-term friendships that are conducted primarily on social media for distance or, you know, other reasons. I've 
found wonderful people in my life who I had lost contact with or keeping touch with family members that I wouldn't see, you know, from one year to the next through social media. So it's really important to recognize that it has got personal value, but anything that you post, and I particularly want to say this about people who post negative, horrible stuff about other people, everyone else gets access to that. So your reputation online is something that you should consider managing carefully and look at as a not just who are you and who but who do you want to be. So you're welcome to be, to be Gary Vaynerchuk and to swear and just say it like it is and to be blunt and all that kind of thing. But people who see that, if that's not really you in real life, it's it's going to be perceived as you and you're going to get the reactions that are congruent with that. So you're going to use that. If you're going to be a particular persona, make sure that that persona is the real side of you. But it's important. I think um, coming back to the original fear, I guess, from a business owner, I don't want to put my personal life. It's important for that business owner to know that it is a hundred percent possible to distinguish the two. You can have your privacy settings in such a way that only close friends and relatives can see the pictures of the kids and at the same time grow your business pages and your business groups and, and presence through business-related information. And then the blend of how much personal you put in there, as you said, you know, a live stream from the tennis, tennis or whatever can be blended in there without actually opening the doors to the home to the 7 billion people on the planet and saying, come and invade all my life. So it's important for a business owner to know that there is the ability to separate the two. And I think that's a, a great way to go. So is there a set of tools, Emma, that you have, um, you know, what there may be tech tools or there may be just, you know, a diary with a to-do list. There, is there a set of tools that you run your life and your business by? I do. I do have quite a few tools. I just want to go back to that last question yeah, and just say one, one piece of advice there. So I actually have a private Facebook that only has about 30 people on it where I have posted my children's photos Mm. and it can't be searched and no one will ever see it. There is a danger where you have posts on the same private and public platform because it's great to have friend connections and then invite them to business events, but those friends then become privy to everything that's in your personal life. So if they're business friends, you're better off having a separate profile for that. And if you've got a really small circle of people, yeah, if you want to share your barbecue and your drunken habits and your and your late night dance madness, then I'd say get a separate profile for that and just have that dedicated to those 30 people and explain to them, hey, you know, I'm a public person and I've got a business and I've got a reputation to manage and these are the things I want to share just with you. So yep. this is my private per- profile. You are yeah. the lucky 30 people who get to see my drunken barbecue behaviours. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I, I've got a barbecue that's been sitting in a box for over a year. So I don't, I'm not talking from personal experience as much as I would love to be. I've got to get that barbecue out. Um, so then the, the question that you have is what tools do I use to run my life? So I love Calendly. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people who did the business authorities two day workshop in, um, when was it? February last year. It was great deal of value and high-level profile people were actually presenting and most of them used Calendly to allow people to book in 
to their calendar. So I've set it up for a number of clients as well, but it allows you to have um, booking windows. Um, you can even have payment gateways in there if you choose. You can integrate it with Google calendars. So having that capacity to immediately allow a client to say, yes, I'm going to book a time with you and not having that exchange on email where you could miss the time or, you know, you're going backwards and forwards. It's really awkward. You just enabling people to spend time with you in a way that values your life is amazing because you can set it up to take into account holidays and booking windows and so you can run your life that way. So I definitely use that Mm. and Google calendars also for projects and time that I want to spend on things. Then I use Trello. And Trello, I'm actually using more more or less like a CRM. I've got Sweet CRM and I've used a few others like Infusionsoft, um, Insightly, Agile. But I'm using Trello right now as a client management system just for me to see if I've had a contact, where they're at, have I made a meeting time, have I sent them a quote, do I need to follow that up? So it's really my sales funnel. And it's a very simple drag and drop system. So you don't need technological know-how or time invested in learning how to set it all up properly. Um, and so, you know, I, any business owner can get a free Trello account, a free Calendly account and have people contacting them and follow how that sales process goes. So I definitely recommend those two. Then from a uh, an inspirational perspective, I'm going to give you a little insight into my world and, you know, it is pretty personal so uh, I'm a little shy about it but I'm also very dedicated to being the person that I am. So I'm going to show you my vision board. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So take a look at that. You'll have to let me. So as you can see, I'm talking about my clients succeeding, who I feel I am, being fit, um, what I want to bring to the world. I have got my boys on there, um, my my home, my holiday home, my travel, how I want my team to be, who I want to be to the world, getting money in the bank, having the having the beautiful, um, having a man in my life that I value who values me. So I have all of that going on as well because I think without a, a really strong vision for who you are, um, all of the other tools that you have become more work. Yep, absolutely. Like you, 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 you feel like you're walking through wet concrete to achieve them rather than floating across the top of it. I completely agree. Yeah, and there's a sense of masculine and feminine energy. So masculine is, is work, hard work, and feminine is flow. And so one of the reasons why I wrote my book is because I think that um, – each, as men and women, we're kind of missing out on an opportunity. So for women, we're missing out on the opportunity to be soft and loving and gentle and to not have to work ourselves to the bone, to keep up and to do all this stuff. We have to give ourselves space. But as men, we also miss out because we have a softer side. Mm. I mean, not we, me personally, but we as a, as a human race, men have a softer side. My boys cuddle me every time I see them, dozens of times in any time we see each other and I have them half time. So, you know, every couple of days I get eight or ten cuddles in a, in a 12-hour period and that's actually what we need just to be happy and thrive physically. Our spirit, our being needs that. And so men having to work themselves to the bone and feeling like their only value is providing through, you know, hard labour and and money in the bank is also them missing out on how it is to them be, you know, the generous, beautiful, nurtured person that they are and to be able to give that to their 
partner or their business. Fantastic. So there's, there's, that, there's that interchange that I also think is really important. Emma, I think a lot of people are going to get some serious, uh, serious life value from your book. So you, you, you mentioned it's coming out in March uh, as we're recording in February. So you've got uh, about a month to get everything uh, ready to go and out the window, which would be great. Um, yeah. So we've got obviously your business website, which is digitalcopywriting.com.au. People can take their business to you. There's a lot of free tools and resources there that they can tap into. I, lo- I love some of the articles there, um, you know, that they can immediately start to work with uh, and improve their business presence. You've also got emmasydney.com, is that correct? Is that um, somebody can come, they can sign up with you at emmasydney.com, they can start to follow along with what you're doing and hear about the book as it comes out? Is that uh, is that a reality as well? Uh, yeah, so I... Yeah. So emmasydney.com primarily is my music platform. Okay, cool. So on the homepage there, it's deliberately set out to, to kind of look at the schizophrenic nature of me and allow people to channel where they want to go. So the first area is music. The second area is inspiration. And the book and the ability to do that kind of work with people is going to sit in that area, but it's not developed yet. So okay. it's, not, it's not ready. Okay. And then the third area is digital copywriting. So there's the three areas of me. If people do want to follow my journey through Joy Flow, which is the book that's coming out and the event is on the 19th of March, then liking the Emma Sydney page, which is on Facebook or following me on Instagram or LinkedIn or TikTok, wherever you want to follow me, you can do that through your social platforms and I'll be putting out content around the event and also putting it on Eventbrite so that you can purchase tickets and come along. And it's going to be held locally in Docklands, so it'll be uh, 9.30 to 4.30 on the 19th of March. There's an amazing array of speakers and it's not just about the book, but certainly the book will be either out or pre-ordered at that stage on the 19th of March. I love it. I can't wait. Uh, I'm going to make sure we've got all of those links in the show notes as well. Emma, you're amazing. Thank you so much for the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with you. I love the fact that you put yourself into the businesses that you work with and genuinely that helpful um, uh, journey of taking them from where they are and moving their businesses forward with the skills and the tool sets that you have is really incredible. Thanks for sharing some of the stories with us as well. I've really appreciated it. So I'm going to put all of those links um, I wish you so much success. I'm looking forward to to following along myself and keeping in touch. And uh, certainly when the book comes out, um, let me know and we can we can give that a plug. Uh, as I will. Well. I will. Thank you. And one thing I'd just like to say before I go, if somebody is looking for business assistance and they're thinking about, you know, how is my website doing? Because that's where we kind of started the conversation. I'm more than happy to offer an audit so that they can have a look at that and then talk them through what it looks like. So that's also an opportunity for now as well as the one for later about the book. Fantastic. And just uh, let Emma know that you heard about it on the podcast. I'm sure she'll look after you from there. So Emma, Sydney, thank you so much. You're amazing. You're brilliant. And I I love the message that you're putting out and the energy that you bring. Um, And I just can't wait to see the, the shine coming through from further away. It's going to be amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. And you are amazing too. And it was wonderful to speak to you today. Thanks, Emma. Cheers. Thanks, Walter. Bye. Hey, everyone. It's Walt, and thanks so much for listening to the episodes on the podcast. We really love bringing these interviews to you, and I hope you're getting a lot out of them. We've designed the podcast to really help and to engage with everybody out there, so you could help us by simply leaving us a comment or a review, subscribing on iTunes. Head over there now. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us. It helps more than you could possibly believe. Do that now and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.